Got it. Salvation. Who else? Judy Evans um, fell and broke a vertebrae in her back, and that's why Kevin is out this morning. Thankfully, she doesn't have to have surgery. She's just braced, and that is going to bring in the healing process. Anyone else? Yes. No? Yes, we're praying for Kenny, and yes. When did this happen? Okay, I don't, I don't want to be weird or anything, but I, I thought about texting y'all yesterday because I thought, I have done nothing but think of Tim and Yvonne all day long, and I just prayed. I prayed, Lord, help them in whatever they're going through. I know. <clears throat> I know, you know, Tim, you're going to have to learn how to take mercy on your body. Yes. And on your wife. Anybody else? Let's pray for Tim. Yes. Kenny. Okay, sister had a heart surgery. <clears throat> yes. Okay, yeah, a lot of sickness. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. <clears throat> Lord, for your grace and your mercy. I pray right now, Lord, for these kids that are sick in their household. I pray as you raise them up, Lord God. I pray for Tim and his hand right now, this finger. We speak to it in the name of Jesus. We declare that the bones will be healed, Lord, that everything will be restored, that surgery won't even be necessary, Lord God. We ask for a creative miracle in this hand right now and know, Lord God, that nothing is too hard for you, Lord. We pray for healing power to be released in this body right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for those that requested salvation for loved ones and for family, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw them, Lord God, for it is the kindness of God that brings men to repentance, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that you hear and answer prayer. I pray, Lord God, that you would meet every need, that you would be with Kenny, Lord God. I pray for a good report, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would move him to health, Lord God, and that that health would come forth, break forth speedily, Lord. I pray that you would make him the head and not the tail, Lord God, above only and not beneath, Lord God. We speak your blessing over his body and declare healing in the name of Jesus. Open our ears to hear your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to... Do you have another one? Sorry. Yes. Right. They do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's it. 
That's, and see, there's, Bibli- there's the Bible for that in that we know that when the man came to Jesus and he, his son had a fever and he said, and um, Jesus said, Je- Jesus, well, he, that was a centurion. He did send the word. But in this case, Jesus just said, go, your son is whole. And when he got back home, he inquired. He said, when did it happen? He said, at the moment that he found out it was the moment that Jesus spoke. So the word, see, we don't understand this because we're also much humans, but the unseen realm is not marked by space nor time. And so we are subject to space and time. In other words, it took the father through certain, he had to move his legs and that, that he had to cover a journey. He had to cover the space and that took a certain amount of time. But the word that Jesus spoke was instant and it took, see, many of us, this is just a little sidebar, many of us in our lives that we pray for things and it's already instantaneously done. But where's it done at? And where's it done at with regard to our lives? In the future. Which is the, so many of us never actually actualize or realize that which we are praying for that's already accomplished because it has a Kairos moment assigned to it somewhere in your future. But you haven't stayed, if you don't stay on that chronos, you won't discover it. So many people pray for things and it's done in a future place and it's done instantly in a future place. But what do you have to do? You have to cover the space and the distance in order to get there. That's just how the unseen and the seen realm work together. I don't know if you've realized this, but all of you are in the seen realm. Every, and we're going to be talking about that today. The cross is heaven acting on behalf of earth so that earth may act on behalf of heaven. The cross is heaven acting on behalf of earth so that earth may act on behalf of heaven. Let's go a little bit further. Jesus, or we know that Jesus was crucified on a particular day on the earth in Jerusalem on a hill called Golgotha. Actual geographic location. You can go to Israel and stand. You can walk down the Via Della Rosa. You can stand on the ground. You can be in the actual geographic place that the cross was carried out. But the Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the earth. So the Word of God saw the realization of Jesus had an appointment in the Kronos in the fullness of time. The full, when the fullness of time had come, that which God had already saw done from eternity outside space and time, eternity in heaven linked up at the time of the cross, and it was finished, what was finished in the mind of God from all of eternity. So, you live on the earth in space and time. God lives outside the earth in eternity that is void of 
space and time. And so he speaks into our life regarding our time, and we move toward our future, and things are accomplished there. I mean, how many of you, I just talked to Randall this morning, and I was talking about our suddenly. How many of you love suddenlies? We said it last week. You're suddenly, and suddenly, and suddenly, and suddenly. If you're like me, I like things rapido. Epe, epe, underlay, underlay, arriba. This is the only Spanish I need to know. Hurry. I like things done fast. Anybody like me like that? You know, I'm just that way. It's what I like. I, like, I don't want to wait. I want it to, I'm going to hurry. I don't like to see people. Okay, just full disclosure. If you do this, I love you anyway. I, when I go to Walmart, if I see people leaning on their buggy, I want to go stand up straight. Slinging their feet, dragging their feet. I want to go pick your feet up and stand up straight. You're pushing that buggy. You're not riding in it. I just have a certain, my husband knows this, right? I just have a certain mentality. Yeah, so if that's you, do you just know? I've just, I've just confessed. I'm just like, I just, I just move on. I just said, Lord, this does not apply to me. Just move on. But if you get in front of me in an aisle, and then finally I'm like, thank you. Have a good day. <clears throat> I just want things in a hurry. So, rapido. So, now, but so we like suddenlies, right? Anybody like me? You like a suddenly? You want God just fix it and you want it done. Well, how you want it done? Slow or suddenly? You want, in the, and suddenly the Lord showed, and suddenly an angel appeared, and suddenly the voice of God, and suddenly, we love that. But your consistency is the preparation to sustain your suddenly. Your consistency is the preparation to sustain your suddenly. So in other words, many people weren't even on the premises at the place their suddenly was just hanging out. It was already done, but they weren't there to receive it. They did, weren't there. So when I say all the time, you must be present to win. So you're developing consistency. So when you get to the place where you're suddenly is at, you're there to receive it. So Old Testament example, Jehoshaphat is there with Ahab and they're against, and they've got this whole war thing going on. And he says, make this valley full of ditches because they ran out of water. They needed water. How many of you know you can't live without water? They needed water suddenly. And so God said, there's going to be water. There's not going to be rain. There's not going to be anything. But about this time tomorrow, water is going to flood in this valley. Where's it going to come from? The unseen. Did it, was it a glacier melting somewhere? Possibly. But in, the, in their mind, the whole point you're supposed to get is it came from an unseen place. And it appeared in a seen place. But there was something that needed to be done. Make this valley full of ditches. Why did the valley need to be made full of ditches? To halt, to contain the suddenly. 
Your consistency is the container for your suddenly. Many people have had suddenlies happen in their life, but they've had no consistency. And so what they get, it's called a runoff. So it didn't do you any good. You missed because you didn't have the consistency behind it. So the cross is heaven acting on behalf of earth so that earth may act on behalf of heaven. So that's part of the Lord's prayer. It's the disciples' prayer because it's not the Lord's prayer. He wasn't praying the prayer. He's teaching the disciples how to pray. How do I know that? Because he, he in, includes in there forgiveness of sin. And how many know Jesus didn't have to ask for forgiveness of sin? He's teaching the disciples how to pray. The Lord's Prayer is actually John 17. He's praying for the disciples to the Father in that. So you can call that the Lord's Prayer. But here in the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer is we say, let thy will be done where? Let's rewrite that a little bit. Let thy will be done on the seen as it is in the unseen. Let thy will be done on the seen as it is in the unseen. Where have we already classified? Where are y'all at today? Are y'all in the seen or the unseen? So you are the locus for the focus. You're the location for the focus of this prayer. Locus. It's, it's location. So faith connects us and releases within us all that the cross has fully accomplished. Jesus said on the cross it is finished. Now we know that time doesn't matter. Right? Because where does God live? Outside of time. So a cross, so something that had been done in the past, our past, that's a point in time, right? In a geographical location. So when Jesus said it is finished, when he declared it is finished, he declared it from time, but it was from the beginning of time and for all time. So when you come to the cross at your point in time, Mine was June uh, 1982. The cross of the end time that stood outside of time, I was instantly brought into the cross, and the finished work was entirely mine. So the finished work of the cross was mine at my point in time because, see, time's irrelevant to God who lives outside of time. Now, see, so the cross, faith then connect, but see, what I have to have in order for me to connect to the unseen realm is faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of the unseen. So faith is the ingredient that God has gifted to me to connect myself to that which already exists outside of time in the unseen realm and the cross brings me into the fulfillment of allowing heaven now to move through me lift up your heads oh ye gates lift them up you ancient doors allow the king of glory that the king of glory may come through you're a gate and you're a door you are an entrance point for the kingdom of God. Thy will. What is the kingdom of God? It's the range of God's effective will. The range. So his will is done right here. I step in. He's ruling there. I'm in his kingdom. And so me, I'm in his kingdom. His kingdom is in me. And I am called to be a kingdom colonizer. That's all I'm doing. 
colonizing the kingdom. I'm moving the boundaries of the kingdom. I'm moving them. Right now, all I'm doing is I'm pushing the boundaries of the kingdom, and I'm trying to get the boundary through revelation to extend uh, over your life and your life and your life so that the finished work of the cross, which completed the, all of the redemption of man, is now realized in you. And then you become the place where the cross meets you Heaven acted on behalf of earth that you may act on behalf of heaven. Pretty simple stuff. Here's what you got to know about God. He is missional. What does missional mean? On mission. He's on mission. God sent his mission. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sent the church. God is missional. See, if we are not missional in our understanding of who God is, then we are not even living within the scope of his will. Why would a God who sent his son and his son who sent the Holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit who sends the church be content with a church who won't send themselves anywhere? That's not the range of my effective will. That's the range of my non-will. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Teaching them to obey, to be my disciples. Y'all thought there was going to be a different message? It's not changed. It's not changed. Tim and Yvonne, when you went to the Economy Inn the other day, and you were ministering, you were trying to extend the boundaries of the kingdom to places it was not. And then the very next week, an 18-year-old boy shot his, took his life at the Economy Inn. He didn't die. He shot himself, but he didn't die. Thank God he was a bad shot. I mean, he stuck a gun under his chin, and he didn't die. That could have been... Just an impact of the kingdom coming into darkness. See, this is what we do. This is who we are. So the faith, faith, faith connects us and releases within us all that the cross has fully accomplished. That finished work is to be accomplished in you and through you. This connection is made by faith. Faith brings right or righteous behavior because I can only behave what I believe. You've got to know this. You can only behave what you believe. And it's an art of listening to the Spirit of God and of being moving in that because you do. And it is uncomfortable at first. It does. And also, I don't believe that God is looking for specialized technicians to move in the realm of the Spirit. 
I believe that every single one of us are called to move in the realm of the spirit. I have no desire to be a specialized technician that gathers people around them so that I can bring contact for them to the spirit realm. Now, has God done that in the past? Absolutely, but it's not the day we live in. What I mean by the past, I mean like healing evangelist, William Brannan. If you know anything about William Branham, weird duck. Born in a cabin up in Appalachia Mountains. His parents were illiterate. He was illiterate his entire life. On the day he was born, his parents testified that um, a light, he was born at home, a light came in the room and sat over his bed. Why? Sovereignty of God. And William Branham then grew up, and he would have these encounters all through his childhood where God would show up, angels would show up, the, this wind would start blowing, and God would manifest himself. William Branham, if you study anything about him, the man was in the spirit realm in a way that many human beings have never been. He drew pictures in the, in the 40s of cars that we drive today. And they called him crazy. He said, I see a day, the Lord has shown me there's a day that there will be cars that, that humans won't drive, but they will drive themselves. And wait, that's, Elon Musk said in 15 years, cars won't even need steering wheels. He said that. They'll be, I mean, and so he drew a picture of the car, what it looked like. You know what he drew a picture of? A Tesla. Now, is that not weird? And so people said, you're crazy, you're crazy. William Branham stood in a, healing, in a healing service one day. He was a, what I'm talking about, he was a spiritual technician. You know what I mean? He knew how to walk in realms that other people did not know how to walk in. And crowds gathered around him. But see, that day is leaving. That day is leaving because God's not looking to raise up spiritual technicians any longer. He's not moving that way. I believe fully that there's a new wine coming. I've said this. I feel it every time I say it. A new wine coming. And God will not put new wine into old wineskins. He's not going to use the wineskin that he used in the 40s and in the 30s. And, and the, the wineskin of William Branham and, and Oral Roberts and even Billy Graham. Old wineskins. If you're looking for a revival of the past, I want to introduce you to the God of the future. Because he, while he does not change, he also does not stay stagnant or he has not subjected himself to forms and boxes that he has to operate within. He goes way beyond our boundaries. The only way for you to get ready for this new wine that's coming, it's, hard, it's, like, it's like pouring out in different places. New wine that's coming is you have to subject your wineskin to the oil. The renewal process. I mean, what if God shows up? That's how you would renew a wineskin, is you would dump it in oil. And you would soak it and soak it so that whenever the new wine was put in, the fermentation process of the wine, fermentation causes swelling. If the, if the wineskin were not ready for the new wine, it would cause it to break because it was too brittle. I believe that much of our belief systems are way too brittle to house the move of God that he wants to send. And I'm not saying getting off into things that are wrong belief. Don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about keeping the word of God central to our faith for sure. But I'm not talking about saying this may not be your grandmother's revival. 
This may not be Brush Arbor. These, it may not be Azusa Street. It may not be what we're looking for because all we're subject to is our imagination. And God said he's got something that eye has not seen nor ear heard. Neither has it entered into the heart or the imagination of man. Are you ready for that? Do you have a wineskin for that? See, that's, that's what I'm talking. That's a faith. That's where God is bringing me. Faith brings righteous behavior because I can only behave what I believe. And here's what Satan wants to stop. He wants to stop faith and faith's connection to Christ. Let's read Colossians 1. Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Colossians 1. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. Now, what is the light we're living in? If you've been in my class any time at all, you know John 1, 4 is so important to me. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light that we are living in is enlightenment. Now, I'm not trying to be new age. It's a, new, a new age is stolen, that word. Revelation. How y'all like that better? See, all of a sudden I change it, and then you're like, oh, I'm comfortable with that. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the revelation. What is the revelation? It's the life he lived is our revelation. Because as he is... How is he? Somebody tell me how he is right now. How is he right now? According to Scripture. I just want Scripture to interpret this. How is Jesus right now? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has been lifted up on the cross. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He was lifted up on the cross. He was lifted up from the tomb. He was lifted up from earth. He is lifted up thoroughly. He is seated at the right hand of the Father as he is. Lifted up, resurrected, and seated in heavenly places. So are we in this world. So see, that's an unseen reality. That's the unseen reality in the mind of God that he wants, God wants to make it the seen reality of our life. And the only way to get there is connected in faith. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. Oh, if people just understood that. <laughs> just that alone. He has, past tense, rescued, past tense, us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. For in the son, all our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. What did I just say? When you came to the cross, God handed you a receipt, not an invoice. 
Blessed is the man whom God does not impute iniquity. What did I just say? God gave me a receipt, not an invoice. He's not counting, imputing is counting, counting, counting. And so, when, another way to say it, when I came to the cross, I got a to-done list, not a to-do list. I got a to-da list, not a to-do list. See, your faith, you can only appropriate by faith the gospel that you believe. You can only behave what you believe. You get the gospel that you preach. You preach the gospel that you believe. You live the gospel that you believe. I'm just saying what the word says. It just sounding a little different when I say it. Yes. That was Colossians um, 1, 12 through 14 in the Passion Translation. Galatians 2. See, you don't hear it because you're, you know, that's why I tell you all the time. I love to read different translations because I can be so stuck. Now, number one, number one, King James, 1620. Wasn't 1620 anyway, but you can study your own history on that. It's been revised a few times from 1620. Dead Sea Scrolls made certain scriptures in the King James Version just plain wrong. Translation's wrong. Every scholar believes that the Dead Sea Scrolls found in 1948, oddly enough, when, Jesus, when, when Israel became as it's got its statehood, oddly enough, um, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, and it brought clarification to many of our modern, what we thought were our modern interpretations. And so then from the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, I mean, from the finding of the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1948 until it actually went through scholarship to make it to the pulpits across America, probably took until 2010. That's a long migration, isn't it? So, I mean, I heard, I, I've heard it said that if you have a, and this is from a Baptist theologian, so just so you don't know, think like some kooky. They're like the opposite of kooky. They're like not kooky enough. So he said if you read a commentary prior to 2010 to 2011, it's outdated because of the scholarship found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. The most reliable manuscripts were those of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Most reliable. So that's where we get translations. And so many people think, oh, if it's not King James, it's, I mean, there are churches out there that only believe in reading the King James Bible because they think that God inspired, that God, I don't know, that him and King James had, I don't know what they believe. I don't. I don't know what they believe. That I, I don't know, but anyway, I won't get, I didn't even mean to, well, ESV, NASB, these are direct, these are direct translations, I always, I always read, I, I like NASB, NASB is not as readable, its translation is very direct, and so it kind of loses some readability, ESV is, is, has made the Dead Sea Scroll amendments to it, uh, the the living, the living Bible, but it's, a, it's a, not a direct parallel. It's a dynamic equivalent paraphrase. So is the Passion Translation. The message is that, too, that's cool. It, it makes it clear. And see what, 
But that's what I do. So when I read the Passion and I read these others, I go all the way back to the Greek. And I, if they say something, I'm like, well, I didn't never, I've never understood it that way. So that drives me back to the Greek. And it drives me to study it and to see if where it lies. I'll read all the translations and go to the Greek and decide. See, this is not just, we're not just out here eating, you know, everything that's piled up in front of us. If that's there again, if that's what you're looking for, you're not, your wineskin needs renewal. We live in a day where we have at our fingertips knowledge that generation before us could not have even imagined. I can in a second find out anything I want to know. There's no, there's no reason for ignorance. There's just not. The only thing you should call yourself is not ignorant, but please just call yourself lazy. You see what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that to be mean. Let's just put things in the categories where they need to be, because at least if we're honest, then we might be brought into the arena of truth. I mean, when Mike says stuff like he's committed to your freedom, that means he is going to challenge any lie that you speak out of your mouth. That will become inconvenient at some point to you because you will be amazed at how much you love your lies. When your lies are giving you the excuse you need for your behavior because you believe, you behave what you believe. Okay, now, uh, Galatians, I'm not going to read that. Fun facts about faith. Faith does not overcome God's reluctance to give. I will say that again. Faith does not overcome God's, a reluctance on God's part to give. He's always willing to give. Faith overcomes my ability to receive what he willingly gives. Now, the leper said to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What did Jesus say? I am willing. He healed him. We see the operation of faith. Whose faith? The lepers. The leper came to Jesus and said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I am willing. He touched the leper. The leper is healed. Faith received what grace provided. Here's another one. At the pool of Bethesda, Jesus approaches a man and says, do you want to be made well? Right? The man gives him a litany of excuses as to why he can't. Jesus gives him a direct, the word is released. Take up your bed and walk. <sighs> Energy came with the word for him to be healed. And in one moment, a suddenly came and he was healed. And there it was. That, the man did not ask for healing, did he? Grace. We have a healing just by grace alone. You see that? Now you say, he's over here going, but he had to have faith. See, you have so much, you have, I already know what, I'm already reading your mind, Randall. You have so much belief that faith has to be present, right? Do you think that God ever heals someone where there's no faith present? Good job, Yvonne. She said, sometimes uh, it's the miracle that creates the faith. So let's just put, oh, it sure does. Look, here's the cross. Here's the cross. 
here I am. I need the cross. Now, I can move to the cross incrementally. I can meet Ray, and he can be such a generous guy, and he can pay something and do something. He can say, God bless you, and I sneezed. I can meet Dolores, and she can give me a track, and I can read it, and I can, and I can have, maybe, oh, a track, yeah. I can go to the grocery store, and Tommy can buy my groceries and say, the Lord told me to do it. I felt that one. I can, you know what I'm saying? I can go and have you lay hands on me because you see I'm visibly crippled. And you can, I, you can see that your, the cross now, is working in your life to bring it through you to me. And you're taking the kingdom and you're colonizing it right over my life. And then I can, through healing, you think that what I'm going to, what's going to happen when I'm healed? I just got to the cross. Now, now this didn't, that healing didn't save me. But what did it do? It brought me into the prox. It brought me in connection with the unseen realm. And faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not. It just evidenced something that was unseen. It brought me into proximity. See, we have so much doctrine that says that, I mean, why God, we have more doctrine built around why God won't do something as opposed to why he will. And my faith is limited by the ceiling of how I think faith operates. Now, see, this is where I'm at. I had so much rigidity in my life regarding God's will to heal and the faith. Whose faith? My faith, your faith, their faith, our faith, no faith. Whose faith? What faith? I don't know faith. Yeah. Well, it's just bringing anybody's faith. Now, that's in the church. There should be faith everywhere. But see, I think what, sometimes what we call faith is we, we've got doctrine. We don't have faith. I mean, faith connects us to God. Faith connects us to, what's it connecting us to? The cross. The completed work of Christ. That's, and and if, if the cross says in the redemptive work of the cross, what does it say? By his stripes we were and are. It's done. It's a done thing. I know many people. Why aren't people healed then? Well, it's not from God's lack of, it's not from his willingness. See, you get the gospel you preach. If you have a prevailing idea that it has to be, that it's somehow within the will of God not to heal you. A woman, a woman by the name of Joanne Moody, you can look her up online. She was in a Presbyterian church on staff, a staff pastor. She went to a healing crusade. Someone invited her, said, I feel like if you go to this, God's going to heal you. They had a word, a word of knowledge. I saw you healed at this. So, I mean, if she was, how sick was she? She had to lay in the floor of the church because she had terrible nerve damage and pain that she could not set up in a regular setting posture. She had to lay on her hip. They kept her on staff at this church and had to modify her work area, everything. The woman laid down to work. It was the only way that she could function. She was on such high painkillers. Nothing touched her body. She was faithful to the Lord. She loved the Lord. She remained on staff. She believed God could heal her. 
Her denomination believed God could, it might not have been Presbyterian, it might have been Baptist. Her denomination believed God could heal her if it was his will to do so. She went to this crusade. She laid in the floor. Somebody came along and prayed for her. She stood up totally healed. She went back to her, her pastor. They were like, this is amazing. This is amazing. This is amazing. God healed you. It was his will to heal you. <clears throat> she said, yes, but I have a, a point of clarification on that. She said, I don't believe God healed me because it was his will to heal me as though his will was singular in my life and not in another's. She said, I believe it is God's will to heal everyone who is sick. And he said, well, we're going to have to agree to disagree there. He never let her testify in his church. He told her she could have, everybody saw it. He told her she could have some rooms for prayer to, heal, to pray for people's healing. And people started getting healed. It became so inconvenient for him that he fired her. That is a case of an old wineskin refusing to be renewed and making room for a doctrine that, see, in order for him to stand up and say, you know, it seems I was wrong. He's going to have his denomination on his backside. He's going to have several people in his mega church coming down on him. It's, going, it's too inconvenient. So when presented with the option to believe the word of God or to believe his doctrine, he chose his doctrine, oh, because it was more convenient and comfortable than it was to believe what God was doing and he was seeing with his own eyes. Through your traditions, you make the word of God of none effect. So, I say, Lord, give me the faith to do your will. Just give me the faith to do your will. And if anything does not fit within, because I have found this to be true. For someone who thought they were so right and so smart, I'm talking about myself. I certainly have found out that I was a big dummy. And all the things I thought I knew... I found out that there was one who yet still knew more. And when he began to bring clarification in places, I learned that I can trust him enough to hold on to my doctrinal certitude loosely. And that he can bring me into the realm of the unseen and he can teach me and he can show me. He's a faithful guide. He is a good teacher. And I can trust him to do that. Faith does not overcome God's reluctance. Faith overcomes my ability to receive what he willingly gives. Faith releases to me what grace provides. <clears throat> Just does. The leper, we said that. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Oh, my gosh. I <clears throat> have come to realize that in the land that we live today, in our church, our Western church, there are other churches around the world that are living in higher levels of faith. I have been asking the Lord, because you know, if you know me at all, you know I'm passionate about two things. I'm passionate about the Word of God, and I'm passionate about the church. I just am. 
And so I pray, God, what is wrong with the church in America? This is the church I'm in, so this is the church I pray for. What is wrong with the church in America? And I can find nothing else but the Lord saying to me, they have no faith. They have substituted performance, professionalism, and the comfort of normative behavior for the excitement, the thrill, and the uncertainty of a faith environment. Mm-hmm. Well, you said people are looking for this all-huge, encompassing faith. Yeah. When it's a small thing. When it only will, they're wanting, and you know, I think too, it's not that faith is not operating over here or over there or over there. It's faith's operation is right here. But, but that's what he just showed me. He said they're, they're looking at it from <clears> an <throat> overall encompassing, broad perspective, and all I'm asking for them to have that faith. Just exercise faith <clears throat> in the unseen. Yes. It's faithlessness. So I think that quite possibly majority, many, a lot, a lot of people obey the voice of fear and mistake it for the voice of God. They say things like this. I hear it all the time. Oh, I don't feel peace about that. And I'm not saying that you should go, see, this is where it gets tricky. Because I'm not saying you should avoid your peace, but I am saying that you should really look at your life and say, is this within faith? Or am I, am I, is it, is it that I'm, what I'm saying really is I don't feel comfortable with that? <laughs> you know, I'm afraid, if people would just carve out their language and say, well, I'm afraid to do that, therefore I don't feel peace. You see what I'm saying? This is tricky stuff here. It's where I have to look in the mirror of my life. <clears throat> Every time I make a decision, and I make a decision based on fear in my life, and I've made a few decisions based on fear. Every time, 100% of the time, 100% of the time, they were the wrong decision. They were. And so when I look at a situation, like for instance, leaving Scotland, we did so because of fear. Not faith. Fear. You may say that's terrible. You get there, make the decision. You see your children not prospering. God told me to put my child into a school. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I didn't have the faith for it. I was afraid. Fear said, don't do it. You'll regret it. I said, yes, sir, fear. And at that moment, at that moment, I started listening to the voice of fear. And fear started becoming my master. And fear started telling me what the next step was. And so we started obeying fear. And we obeyed fear. And we obeyed fear. Because God, when I was in that school and I looked at it, God said, don't look. I looked up at the ceiling tile with mold and falling in. I went, no. And I looked at all the school. I looked at it. It was terrible. It was so terrible. It was so terrible. And I said, no. 
And God said, don't look at what you see. I've got something here for you. You're going to be amazed. That's what he told me in the words, the voice of God. I know his voice. He told me that just like that. But you know what I did? That was the unseen talking. I took the scene and I listened to the scene and then I began, me and Mike both had partnered up and we started operating in the scene. We saw what we saw. And so we did voice, the voice of fear started speaking to us and we obeyed the voice of fear. That's just, that's the biggest, that's the biggest in my life. I listened to fear and I obeyed fear and I marched out with fear and fear, 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 fear. And you know what it did when I began to walk with fear? It released every place in my life that I had overcome fear. Just like that. I had victory over fear. So many areas of my life. I mean, victory like would freak you out, victory. Like, how can you not be afraid? I'm just not. And then I had to struggle again with certain areas of fear in my life because I obeyed fear. You know how I know you obey fear? Because you deal with fear. How do I know that about you? Because I know it about me. And I know you're no different than me. And so many times we listen to the voice of fear and we operate in fear and we want, we want, we talk faith, we talk faith, but what we really want is God to come rescue us from what we're afraid of. I'm afraid God just, oh, it is my faith to deal with fear, but you're still holding on to fear like he's your best friend. How do I know? Because you obey everything fear tells you to do. Don't go there. Don't say that. Don't give that. You can't afford that. You can't do that. You won't do that. You will not succeed. Don't do that. They'll judge you. Who freaking cares? You're judging you. And you're judging me by thinking I'm judging you. Do you not realize that? When you judge, when you say don't judge me, you've already judged. How could you possibly accuse me of judgment if you had not judged me? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like, don't listen to fear. I just want you, if we could just stop obeying fear, without faith, it's impossible to please God. To please there means to gratify, to gratify God. I mean, do you want to gratify God? What does it mean to gratify someone? Make them happy. I mean, how, just think about that. That you can gratify the heart of God with your faith. And that without faith, God's heart is not gratified. That's powerful to me. Unwilling to do. Oh, that of gratitude. Ah, he's like, I, that's, that's my heart right there. And so we see that, that. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. For they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That word seek, it adds diligently to it in our English translations because the word seek that stands alone is not powerful enough. The word diligently seeks, it means seeking as only, um, let me see what time it is. We're going to close on this. It means seeking with intensity and a personal desire. Motivation. What is the highest desire in your life? The highest desire. The highest desire in your life. I can only tell you, you will find that answer. I don't know. I don't know. But I can tell you this.
The highest desire in your life is found in the consistency of your daily behavior. It, I mean, because it's easy to say, it's to please God. But if you don't audit the, your life, that you're, I don't know what I just said, the, the, that you will find what your highest desire is, is in by auditing the consistency in your daily life and your thoughts. I mean, if there's not consistency in your faith walk, newsflash. He's not your highest desire. That's just not. And it, see, because you can only, you only, you say you're bringing condemnation. No, I'm, I'm trying to bring clarity. Clarity. That there is a place in the heart of God, and we close here, that he is so gratified. So gratified. He's so gratified by your desires that goodness and mercy overtake you, follow you, embrace you, that you can make a stupid decision because here's the reality. God's not expecting you to be perfect. But he has. He hasn't given you perfection. He's given you innocence. What are you going to do with your innocence? And he's perfecting what's concerning you. In other words, developing you. So when by faith, you got a receipt, not an invoice. He just made it just as if you'd never sinned. Justification. And so he gave you innocence in his sight. Righteousness. You are innocent before him. You still are a free will person. But what he's expecting from you is a walk of faith, not perfection. But he is giving you to take your innocence that you have found in Christ. And now, so you want the garden? You want to know what the garden would look like if Adam hadn't sinned? You're supposed to look in the mirror and figure it out. That's what the cross did. We, I, God, my desire is you and you alone. As the deer pants after the water brook. So my soul longeth for you, oh God. Oh, this is what I earnestly seek, is that I will awaken in your likeness. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. God, make you our chief aim and our overwhelming desire. Amen. Uh-huh. Uh, donation, uh, tithe. Yeah. There is, I put a note in there for Adam mm-hmm. Fogelman, mm-hmm. missionary. Mm-hmm. That's all. And a couple months ago, I did one for I did the, it. we got it. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Same thing. Yep. Okay. No problem. That's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's right. I understand. That's good. We don't want her everywhere. Oh no.